who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Super Ninfrendos. It's NVC episode 623. I'm your host, Seth Macy, back from my uh, whirlwind vacation where I had COVID for most of it. Uh, we have a very special panel here today. We are joined by Miranda Sanchez. Hi, hello, I'm back. Thank you for coming back, industry legend Kat Bailey. Good to have you back, Seth. We missed you. Oh, shucks. I missed you too. And of course, Reb Valentine from The Office. It's Pokemon Week. It's Pokemon week. Well, before we talk about the new Pokemon and Scarlet, uh, excuse me, Scar Scarlet and Violet info, and of course, Fido. I'm sorry, I still have brain fog. Like I'm not completely myself yeah. yet. So you're gonna have to forgive that a little bit as I stumble over my words. But first, we need to talk about what's been going on in the wonderful world of Nintendo. Breaking news right before we went to uh, record. Not really, it actually happened this morning. But hey, what a surprise. Tactics Ogre Reborn is coming to Nintendo Switch and other platforms, but who cares about the other platforms? Can you imagine playing Tactics Ogre Reborn on anything other than a portable hybrid handheld? I don't think so, but that's coming out November 11th. It's got an orchestral score, new graphics, voice acting. I am not familiar with Tactics Ogre whatsoever, but I've heard so much about it that I know that I'm going to have to be It's one of the best one. strategy RPGs ever made, so you should play okay. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will, um, well. I will absolutely be checking it out. We also got new info on Harvestella, which is the life sim from Square Enix. Yeah, this is that the that you can do your farm stuff, or you can go explore dungeons and like kill monsters. But they showed off the Springtown, which forgive me if I, I've only read this, I haven't heard it, which is I believe called Namia. Uh, it's very pastel, it's very beautiful, very spring-like. And we also met the new character Istina, who is uh, like a teacher and seems nice and you know not like a, a mean teacher she's not scolding you for doing things wrong also new job skylancer because that's a job that exists in real life lancing the sky 
Is that uh, like a oh. dracoon? I, I that was my immediate uh, thought. It must be like the Square Enix dragoon, not like the like French type of uh, piercing the heavens. The, yeah, yeah, or the Prussian War dragoons, which were completely <laughs> completely different. They can't even fly. Um, <laughs> Mega That's Man, our first Neo Prussian Geo War reference on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> of, of many, this is going to slowly transition to an, an entirely Prussian podcast. I can't uh, wait for the next Russo Japanese War reference too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I that's NBC. one of the things I like to do. I just Every like week to, uh... it's a different... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know we're getting real weird because I don't know where I even am right now. I'm just so so um... I'm just interrupting Seth constantly. Go ahead, Seth. What else is oh, happening? In well, the this is some news that I think uh, Cat Bailey would be very interested in. There's a Mega Man Neo Geo pocket game that just got added to the Switch in Japan. And I am not familiar with this game whatsoever. Oh, I just downloaded it. It's great. It's in, yeah? in North America, too. Yeah. Oh, it is in North America. Oh, I thought it yeah. was a Well, 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 that's very exciting. I'm going to have to check that one out there. Uh, oh, yeah. New Mario Kart Wave, uh, excuse me, Mario Kart 8 Wave 2 tracks are here officially. So if you have the expansion pass, you could start playing those. And oh, Minecraft Steve and Alex Amiibo are coming out in September, and you can pre order them right now. It's a two pack. So it's, it's convenient if you're still into Amiibo. And let's face it, who isn't? Everybody loves Amiibo, especially Minecraft Amiibo. What? Reb, you're uh, looking, uh, you're scowling a little bit. I'm... Oh, no, I, you know, they were a great idea when they were announced. And it was cool when they had functionality with every single they... game. But now it's a little piece of plastic that Reb, you can collect. How dare. You like no how dare. way. It's okay if you like collecting things. I'm just, I'm, they... I'm very over Amiibo. The initial this is promise. A, this is immaculate. I have that, that one too. That the initial the promise of Amiibo has mm -hmm. has vanished. It has it has fluttered away. They are no longer the the wonderful like connective thing that will get you a bunch of goodies in every game. They are an afterthought. Nintendo feels mm. obligated to stay on the Smash Brothers train of producing these Amiibo, but it, it's over. Amiibo is over. I would argue that that is absolutely incorrect, and I will say that really? it, that because they have actually leaned into the quality of them as a collectible. Because if you look at those first gen Amiibo versus the newest, latest, greatest Amiibo, the They're detail really on the newer ones is unbelievable. They are high end collectibles yeah. that also that happen to have functionality baked into them. I will say to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Besides, Reb. I mean, Nintendo is totally leaning into locking behind certain features behind these Amiibos as they did with uh, Skyward Sword. So, yeah, that was dumb. That is true. Uh, Still going. I, I, I will give you that. I think they have they have maybe pivoted rather than just given up. Like they have they have pivoted to them as a collector's item over again the initial promise that these would be like a meaningful component of gameplay. Uh, that they, that they originally had when they first came out with them. Like, I remember I was sure. really excited to get several of them because there were certain games that I wanted to play and scan them in. Like, I remember trying to, like, scan them into Splatoon uh, and the various Mario games because I thought they would, like, give me interesting, like, unlock interesting things. But, you know, now they're just gathering, the handful that I have are just gathering dust on my shelf. And I kind of wonder if after all the Smash Brothers ones are done, if they're just going to sort of give up. No, they are not. And I... For uh, evidence of that, I bring you the Mario Party Waluigi um, Amiibo, which is the only one that anyone needs anyway. That's I true. Say, I agree. I will say, like, the Amiibo, I think, were cool, especially the functionality, if you had access to a lot of them, because I know a lot of the problem was that the, the really cool ones would sell out quickly, 
And also, like, it's not cheap to collect a bunch of amiibo. So no, it's not. Or to store them. Like, where, where are you going to put all of these? Especially if you want to display them, then you have to figure out a display sh- shelf. But then what about my other collectibles? Um, mm. I will say I'm always going to be eternally grateful to Pear having all of them on a shelf in the IGN office. <laughs> and, like, that is a very much a privileged position that, of working at IGN where I could be like, oh, we need to try all these amiibo. Let me just go to Pear's shelf. Um, and that was kind of cool because it acted like a library. So... Kind of in a way, I'm glad that they're stepping away from it and having it more of being a cool interactive thing for maybe past games or maybe as a side, like, oh, if you add an amiibo, maybe there's a cool reaction or something. That's not something too impactful for gameplay just because they are hard to get. Um, I I will say, though, as far as the amiibo that I do have, I was big on getting Animal Crossing cards. I love my cards. I, I look at them like, yeah. Yeah, you want, you want to come are... to my islands? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's your t- it's your time. You're, you've been chosen. Um, so things like that, and then also, um, what, what else is there? I don't. Those those were just nicer because they're easy to store. But that's basically. Yeah. What you <laughs> I feel sort of torn on it, right? Because on one hand, like the idea, <sighs> the idea of uh, so okay, so if you if you make a game and you are going to release a fifteen dollar DLC for that game anyway. And then the idea of putting it behind an amiibo so you get the $15 DLC and you also get this cute little plastic figurine that goes with it that is this nice collectible. Like, that's kind of cool in principle. But, you know, sort of the reality is that, like, the Skyward Sword situation that you're actually... What they ended up doing was actually just sort of locking, on some games, locking features behind these little plastic figurines that you might not be able to get your hands on anyway or that are expensive to collect or store. Uh, but, But then in other cases, amiibo didn't either didn't do anything or just unlocked like a little costume that you might not even like or you know had barely any fun or gave you some items randomly that you could have gotten anyway so it was very it was very all over the place there they had this sort of promise when they first came out with them that they ended up not being able to follow through on in a meaningful way i don't think long term which yeah. may be fine I, yeah i think the the biggest mistake was that they didn't make it so that they would come alive at night and uh, <laughs> yeah, wander around You're really- I have that plague night. oh my gosh no i want that i want that yeah that's a now. good one I was going to say, I've been wondering why Detective Pikachu hasn't been wandering on the house, drinking all my coffee, but, you know, it's maybe fine. Yeah, they really, they really missed a a huge opportunity there to imbue them with magic. It's for the, uh, the Shovel Knight uh, treasure trove. That's actually, that's another thing that they kind of dropped the ball on because I remember it was a big deal that they were opening up Amiibos to uh, third parties. And so we got the Shovel Knight ones and that's kind of it we got some monster hunter ones but those are you know kind of almost make me a little uncomfortable honestly outside of smash brothers i don't feel like amiibo like their promise only ever was kind of being neat collectibles with a little gimmick that you could put into a game i don't feel like it was ever going to unlock amazing new gameplay possibilities with these things the from the very start it was all about the collector's market and getting these cool little statues for your favorite games and yes, developers did some neat things, but I don't feel like there was just some great frontier that we never reached with uh, with Amiibos. No, there was definitely yeah. something when they initially announced it that was kind of following off the Skylanders model, right? But they're oh like, like where it was sitting somewhere between like full blown, you know, new frontiers of gameplay and oh, you get an extra. Hard just Skylanders was always like, just overpri- overpriced junk that was being yes, sold to kids. Wow. So <laughs> and then the fad died mm. because Toys to Life was not that great. It was just a merchandising opportunity. But Amiibos, 
being well made and very attractive lived on as nice collectibles. That's what I'm saying. That is true. The, uh, the Yoshi, the Bully Yoshi amiibo. Oh I yeah, I got one of those. Yeah. I wish they had made a giant Poochie amiibo. That's actually I I'm a giant hypocrite. I I'm cynical about amiibos, but I would. <laughs> I would have paid a pile of money for if they had made a large Poochie yarn amiibo. I would have done it. Well, you and probably everyone else, because you can still spend a lot of money on amiibo. I saw the Joker amiibo listed on Amazon for $150. So, yeah. Definitely thought for a moment you were talking about the other Joker. Forgot that Joker was a Persona (laughs) character and had an instant vision. The price of that that Joker amiibo was my Joker origin story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I will say, though, I do wish they would have done more, like, use with the cards, because the collaboration with Animal Crossing and Sanrio was so cute, and it was was. so good, and I really wish they could have done more of that. Yeah. I just wish they would have had a consistent identity. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a wild difference between locking features behind something, adding costumes, or you scan an amiibo, and it does either nothing or gives you, like, a piece of fruit. Uh, and I, I sort of wish they had they had been consistent with the identity of what they wanted these figurines to be for people, uh, especially com- from when they were first announced to now. Now I just don't bother with them because I know they're not for me. But early on, there was definitely a thought that, oh, maybe do I need to be getting these to be getting a full game experience? I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I just wish they would have had had an idea and fully realized it. But that's Nintendo. Sometimes they have wild ideas and they go as always, it comes down to time and energy for developers who are being mm-hmm. asked to craft yeah. a piece of content around a thing that not, not everybody, everybody is going to have. And so mm. when you're on a certain you know, schedule, you have to ask yourself, okay, but we could do something really cool with this that only like 10% of our user base is actually going to see. So what's the yeah. point? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, the the dream of Amiibo is still alive inside of me, although I'm not as, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, obsessive about them. When they first came out, I had to have them all. And now I'm only, I only get the ones that I really like, such as the Waluigi. Um, well, which one's your favorite? Mario Party. My favorite Amiibo, uh, I think I've said it, but it's uh, the, the Bayonetta, Player 1 and 2 Bayonettas are the best. Nice absolute coolest amiibo everything about them their sculpt their paint their detail is just astonishing those are incredible um awesome awesome amiibo i might get the minecraft one though because i really 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 like Minecraft. oh you like that art style okay i do yeah i love i love minecraft a whole lot that's probably my most played game of all time but but anyway uh i have to stop the amiibo talk because we need to take a break but when we come back there was a little pokemon event uh there's a a cute dog made of gluten that everyone loves and we're going to talk about that when we return during women's history month come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast thread the needle i'm your host donna shill i'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today listen to thread the needle wherever you get your podcasts Hey, we're back. Thanks for joining us. This is Nintendo Voice Chat. Uh, yeah, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. We saw uh, a new uh, clip, or not a clip. We saw new features 
like riding around your legendary uh, in sky, air, or excuse me, air, water, the ground. They have gas stations now. But we've assembled this panel specifically for their Pokemon knowledge. So, Miranda, I would like to start with you. From uh, What from this event has you the most excited and maybe what has you the most like scratching your head? So I will say the Pokemon Presents was interesting because it wasn't just about Scarlet and Violet. It was also about the tournaments that are coming up. Like the championship is really yes, cool. Important. It's held in the UK and like London. They have really cute. Uh, I, I collect like the special event championship Pokemon plush. So I would kind of like, oh, nice. do I get these? I want to <sighs> get them. Can I get Joshua to buy them for me? Maybe. Um, that all aside, though, um, I, I think it was really cool that they did lead the showcase with like the other stuff and then built up to Scarlet and Violet because it kind of just signified, hey, just so you guys know, this is not just about Scarlet and Violet. We have other things going on in the world of Pokemon that are really important to us. And I've really liked that they've supported other things like the Pokemon um, Masters. I've, I've been long fascinated with it, but zero patience to play through it just because, you know, listen, you can only have one gacha game in your life and mine is Genshin Impact and nothing is going to surpass that. And Pokemon Masters, I liked you. I had a good, fun, good time. I think the story stuff that they do is really fun, but I'll get the like cliff notes from a friend and just kind of a joy from a distance. Um, of course, with Pokemon Unite, sorry if, if this is too much for me to go over all the other stuff before we get to Scarlet and Violet. Uh, no, this is perfectly on brand okay, for everything right perfect, now. Perfect, yeah. because I was like, no, I must I must internalize all of this. Um, but then, of course, they have Pokemon Unite. They have a Pikachu event, which I was like, am I going to play Pokemon Unite again for just like a minute? Just because I want to see all the Pikachu stuff. If we could do an Pikachu. actual team together for Pokemon Unite, I would totally play it. Because it's not super fun. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, if we can get a team of five, I'm in. Okay. That's that's actually a tall order, but maybe we can do it. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I just I thought it was fun because it is pretty chill. Like I, I had a very chill time with Pokemon Unite. Um, I play Dota, so I'm like big yeah. on the MOBAs, but also I love MOBAs that just try different things. There's actually a Cartoon Network MOBA from Adventure Time that was so good. Is it browser oh, game what? MOBA? One of my favorites, and they shut it down after a while just because you know oh. that's what happens. And it, it, I just love cute experimental things like that. And um, I would say the Pika Party in Pokemon Unite is definitely something that I'm interested in. Um, and then quickly, of course, they had some like Pokemon Go mentions as well. And then um, I always forget the Pokemon Cafe game, the Cafe Mix. Cafe, Cafe Remix, yeah. Remix, yeah, yeah. That we one, learned that say. Mewtwo likes Tapas. Yes, that was <laughs> probably, uh, this is me building up to the most important thing that we learned about Pokemon. In this yes. event was that Mewtwo likes tapas, but yeah, he likes small plates. <laughs> he likes small plates. He likes tapas. Yeah, jokes aside, uh, that one I really wanted to highlight just because I think the art from that game is just stellar. Like it's, it's so amazing. cute, and they knock it out of the park every single time. If there's a press asset kit that comes for Pokemon uh, Remix Cafe, I'm always just like, excuse me, yes, please give me all your key art because it is adorable. So we um, just needed to. We just need to end Mewtwo's rampage by offering him some sangrias and patatas bravas. Yes, mm. absolutely. Let's see. We got some, uh, some nice hungry. bacon wrapped figs. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just wants to eat and then maybe help out after. It'll help clean the dishes. Like, what, what can you ask for? That's great. Oh, man. Um, but getting actually to Pokemon Scarlet now that we've done the long windup, um, <laughs> I really liked the emphasis on how we're going to explore this world. I don't think it should come to any surprise to anybody that this isn't going to be a full remake. Everyone's like, where's the Breath of the Wild of Pokemon, though? 
Mm. Like, guys, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I, I know we want to believe in it, but if you think about it, look at the development cycle for Breath of the Wild. It basically just skipped the Wii U. Like, we didn't have a, a brand new dedicated Wii U Zelda game that wasn't on another system. Like, it, right. it, we got, what, uh, Twilight Princess on, we, we got Skyward Sword, and then we had yep. Breath of the Wild. And, and Wind Waker HD remake and, as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so no no Wii U exclusives, correct? Exactly. So it's like, do you think Nintendo or Game Freak and Pokemon Company are just going to take that time, much time off of a mainline Pokemon game? They probably could, but I don't think they will. Like, they're just not going to do it. So what we've been getting is like this slow inch towards change. Like, if you look at the features from this back to Sword Shield, back to Sun and Moon, you can see like these bits of inspiration of things that they played with in other games. So I know people have been talking a lot and comparing this to Pokemon Legends Arceus. And of course, this is going to have a different feature set because that one's meant to be something where they just go and do something wacky. Like if you think about Pokemon Let's Go, there's a lot of really cool ideas there that they're not going to bring back to the mainline because they are meant to be separate things. And I, I really appreciate that about it. And I appreciate that for this one, for me, the big standout was just seeing exactly how much they really want to work in. All right. We've been building up open world exploration. Pokemon are everywhere. All right. Now we're going to actually let you just go take the gyms in your own order. We have three different campaign stories, supposedly. I think it's just like three like offshoots, main quest kind of thing. Now go at it. And, and that was the big highlight for me, was that they're very clear about like their intention for exploration in this, um, because I think that's something I had a lot of questions going into of just like, okay, this looks really open, but how open is it? And how much of this can I explore on my own? So that was the biggest highlight for me, I would say. All right. Kat, I'm curious as to what uh, your take is, early cat take. Early cat take? Um, okay, so I've been playing every Pokemon going back to when the series first came out, and I was seriously burned out on the single player story, which I felt was a glorified tutorial for the rest of the game. It was very easy and very mindless. And while I think that they have their charms in terms of, for example, being able to do a Nuzlocke run, being able to bet in players into the series, um, I was very much past it. So to have a very open-ended experience where theoretically I could tackle gym challenges in every order. I should mention, I'm a battler. I like competitive, the competitive <clears throat> battling going back a long way. So that's kind of where I naturally want to go. And I'm kind of hopeful by this approach. It's a long overdue refresh of how they approach Pokemon. And I also like that they have the, the three storylines, the, the treasure hunt and the, the legendary, uh, capturing the legendaries, which is a thing that I enjoy doing. And then the actual gym battles. One of the problems, though, with Sword and Shield was that it wasn't especially well fleshed out. There was a real mm -hmm. truncated feeling to Sword and Shield's story, and it didn't really come into its own, arguably, until the DLC came out. So one of the things that I'll be really watching for when Scarlet and Violet come out is, do they bring these individual storylines to their full potential? The other thing that I'm still very excited about, and they've already revealed it, is the four-player co-op. I'm already going, okay, I'm going to play with my friends. This is going to be great. I am so excited. Um, I, I, as usual, I'm like, okay, so the um, legendaries turn into motorcycles. Okay, that's Hell a choice. Yeah. Oh, cool. 
It's People are bad. into Casey, it, I guess. Casey and I called it. We knew it. We knew that there was going to be some sort of like bike racing thing. We didn't get everything right as far as we know yet, but we did see a car. We saw a vehicle, so we're not we're not off the table yet. But our theory <laughs> was that there's going to be a heavy racing element because like Spain's like big into motorsport oh, racing and stuff. Like F1 and that yeah. kind of thing. It's that not just sense. that. It's a big European thing, but they have it. And so it's like, yeah, like these racing flags there. And obviously your legendaries, exactly as you said, turn motorcycles. And the big thing that we're like, you know what, we were right, is that the Pokemon centers are all gas stations. <laughs> They're all gas stations. <laughs> I think they call I, um, them petrol stations. I was, uh, so there's been a lot of discourse in the Pokemon community about whether or not this game. <laughs> Evergreen looks statement. Oh, yes. <laughs> Lots of discourse in the Pokemon community, yes. Whether the, this game looks better or worse than Pokemon Legends Arceus. I think the scene that kind of sold me on the look and the feel of this game is uh, the characters running through the grass toward the horizon. I think that looks super nice, honestly. And I like the stylization of this game. Pokemon Legends Arceus, for all of its strengths, was really uneven visually. So I'm mm -hmm. kind of hopeful that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet end up um, you know, looking really good. And also, I like that it's a full open world versus the more seg segmented approach of Pokemon Legends Arceus. So all in all, like I. I am probably the most optimistic and excited for a Pokemon game that I've been for a very long time. Wow. High praise indeed. Reb, are you excited to ride a, po a mo motorcycle Pokemon? I'm very excited to ride a motorcycle Pokemon. Um, okay. I think my feeling, I have like really conflicted feelings on this. Uh, okay. Let's hear it. I, there's a lot of things I like. Like I un, I unequivocally, I love, I think Game Freak has always been very good at monster designs. I think monster design is one of like the best, the best things that they do i think the reason we haven't seen i mean like games like temtem and like other competitors have done very well but i think i think one of the reasons that pokemon continues to shine is it does such a good job of having just this ridiculously wide variety of monster designs ranging from adorable to really ridiculously cool to just utterly stupid uh and and that's great like they should have all of those pokemon should just be completely ridiculous and range all of these things um i love i love all the monsters we've seen so far the new whooper variant uh fido is incredible the everybody new loves fido I'm not, as, fido I'm not as big on the giant ice whale but i've seen a lot of love for the ice whale too and love i'm glad the it ice exists whale. i like Lepunk, like all these things all these pokemon are great um i i was kind of I, I was i was so mixed on arceus and i and i i didn't i didn't like sword and shield very much because i felt that you're like as kat mentioned the story was like very truncated and i felt that even though it like had these towns with like these detailed building facades like they were just that they were just facades like it, it did not feel fleshed out it did not feel like towns that people actually lived in the story just felt short and limited and it didn't feel like a full pokemon world it had a bunch of pokemon in it but it didn't have much else and then i had the same problem with arceus for sort of a different reason it didn't even have the facades like it was just this it was this wonderful core system like this incredible core battling system uh, of capturing and fighting Pokemon, but around it, there was just nothing. There was like no substance or depth to the world. And it wasn't even a very pretty world to begin with. This looks like it can have more. And I think, I think the people who are kind of buying into the promise that this is going to like be revolutionary in some way, that this is, this is just going to blow open the open world structure, like being able to revisit the gyms in any order. Like I, I don't, know that it's really going to do that. I think is I think I'm closer to where Miranda's at where it's going to be it is an incremental change. Uh, I'm a little confused as to why they're doing gems in any order when like 
I think I think it's been confirmed at this point. It was definitely a leak, part of the leak, and I I think they I'm actually. Sorry, confirmed... Did you just call this an incremental change? Yeah. This is not an incremental change in the least. It's a wholesale like reimagining of how you play a, a Pokemon game, frankly. Uh, well, kind of, but it's not like a Breath of the Wild change. I think that's what where we're kind of at, right? Or whichever keeps mm -hmm. talking about it like that. Uh, okay, so you can visit the gyms in any order, but why would you? Because they don't scale. Uh, like, great, you can go fight the eighth gym from the very beginning if you so really did want. Did they confirm that they're not scaling? I believe they have said. I believe it's on the website. Like. Okay. I, I believe I saw somebody pull some website text, but even if they hadn't, it was part of the leak and everything else that was in the leak was also confirmed. So it seems it seems pretty likely they're not going to scale. If they do scale, I'll eat crow. Like I will happily eat crow if they end up scaling the gyms because that, that would solve my problem here. But it sounds like they're not going to scale. And if they don't, then what's the point? Like, great, I can go challenge the eighth gym and get my butt kicked if I really want, but then I still have to go back and fight the level 10 Pidgey in the first gym. Like, why would I bother? <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. For them not to scale, right? I mean, it would be a very strange choice. It sure would be. It sounds like it's yes. one they've made, though. Uh, like, the multiplayer sounds great, but we still haven't really seen the extent of what you're actually going to do in the multiplayer. And given their past history with online, again, I'm really yeah, skeptical that it's going to be revolutionary. Like, great, I can run around and catch Pokemon in the world at the same time with my friends, but I, like, is, is that the limit of it? Um, right. The, the whole idea of there being three separate storylines... Okay, great, again, but that that sounds like every other Pokemon game. There's pretty much always three storylines. There's a gym storyline, a legendary storyline, and then an your evil rival. team. Or your rival. Like the like again, I I have I've seen it it looks cool. I don't I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna mischaracterize that because I you know, I am a huge Pokemon fan and I, I'm sure I will love this. I think like the crystally Pokemon with the big hats and the glitter. Ah, I know yes. I know it's another gimmick, but it looks fun and I'll have a good time with it. I love the monster designs. I will eat up another Pokemon game. I will have a great time. Pokemon roaming the open world, very good. But I just like, I, Game Freak plays it so safe. Every single generation we go through this. We go through this every time. We went through it with X and Y. We went through it with Sun and Moon. We went through it with Sword and Shield and Arceus. Every time we look at it and we go, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be the Breath of the Wild moment. This is going to be the big jump. The time when Pokemon finally like figures itself out and jumps to this new thing that we couldn't have imagined before. And then it's, you know, it's a step up, sure, but it's it's more Pokemon with slight improvements every time, right. like slight changes. I think Arceus, I think Arceus is the closest we've gotten to a revolution, but I think they have scaled back that system. They 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 don't seem to be doing the same system they did in Arceus. I mean, we're and, talking about a fully interconnected open world versus what Legends Arceus did. If anything, it's more ambitious. Well, yeah. I think unless there's a lot to do in that. Op I mean, there's a lot to that, that changes a lot. Sorry, but go ahead, what, Miranda. The, the big question is right now, it just feels like set dressing, right? It's like, oh, you can go anywhere, but it's like, okay, but what can we do in that anywhere? Are so these the towns point? just Pokemon centers and like two or three houses we can go into? Like, is it the same thing? And I think that's the big question because, like, if we want that big overhaul and change, what I'm expecting right now is that this is going to look like every other Pokemon game where I go in, I can go catch a bunch of Pokemon, which of course, big drive. Um, but like, what else do I do in that open world aside from the, the Terra Ray battles? Like that's, that's all we really have out there aside from just like, and like riding around and, and not that, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're going to ride around. That's, that's the big draw. I want to go exploring, yeah. sightseeing. Um, obviously there's other things too, but we just haven't gotten there. And I think there's a good reason to be a little apprehensive of, of seeing as a whole scale change until we get more of that. And I think I agree with Reb's point, like 
them saying we have three different mainline stories, it it's always felt like the same. And I, I've never gone to a Pokemon game and said, wow, that story, though. And I think the last one that really stuck with me was more so was just Sun and Moon um, of the mainline games, which, you know, mm. it's not that many to choose from. But yeah. like for me, it's more of like, what experiences do I have with my Pokemon? How can I treat my team to a good time on this adventure? Like, can I go, can I go set up camp and cook for them? Can I put them in a dress of contest? Can I find their favorite t-shirt? Because I want to do that. <laughs> I want my Pokemon to be happy. I'm not a competitive player. I just, I will catch the first. I see a Pikachu, I catch it. You are my best friend until the end of this game. And if I can transfer you over, you are my buddy. I don't, like, I care about your stats and I want to improve them. But that's, like, you came to me and that's really important to me. And so yeah. for me, looking at this, I don't feel like we've we've gotten the wholesale sell on why the open world and getting to travel around is really all that important yet because right now it's still just another pokemon game in the mainline series and we've we've seen what their open worlds are like it's like yeah you can go collect you know some herbs you can go get some berries and then you can maybe cook something but we don't even know what the extent of that is like and like with arceus you could just pull out your pokemon and just like look at them and then you can make them look at each other and yell at each other that's it <laughs> and so like that, that, that's kind of the thing where i'm worried about is like okay We've seen a yeah. lot of these features change over time. Are you going to let them follow me out in the world or not? Please, please just make it permanent. I want them. They do. Follow they follow. Me. They do follow you. They do follow okay. you. Okay. There was okay. a clip. I, there was a clip in the trailer where you saw them like running down the road, and there were Pokemon following them. I don't know if perfect. that's limited. Now we've had games where they could only do that in certain areas, or only certain Pokemon could. So I'm, you know, again, I'm always. I, I just feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I'm also, that. but I'm also trying to relax a little bit. I'm trying yes. to. I'm trying to find a space between, somewhere between the extremes of, oh my god, this is going to revolutionize Pokemon because I don't think we're ever going to get that, especially on a one game a year time frame, and. Oh my god! I'm being so cynical and picking this apart. I'm trying to find we're sort of always, the space between. We're always chasing the everything Pokemon game, but what is the everything Pokemon game? You know, I that I, is I, a good question, yeah. and I have to cut you off right there because we have to take a break. But I would love to hear more about the everything Pokemon game uh, when we come back. And we are back. <laughs> what is the everything Pokemon game? Are we ever going to get the everything Pokemon yeah, game, or well, could we this be it? We're talking about the Breath of the Wild moment, and I'm just, I'm trying to imagine what it, that looks like. And I think maybe Miranda hit at the core of it, which is uh, certainly going back a long way, Pokemon has always been like, okay, you battle with your Pokemon. And you're like, and? One of the things I really enjoy doing, I have this Flareon that I've had since Fire Red and Leaf Green that I like to just get all of the ribbons for. And that's like one of the oh. things that I do. I like, I love taking part in the contests. I love cooking, as Miranda was saying. So I think that, yeah, you're right. Like finding other things to do with your Pokemon other than just battling is would be really wonderful, I think. And I do agree that finding ways to kind of socially engage with your Pokemon and continuing to build on the social element of the actual game is maybe the key to continuing to grow this series. Yeah an unformed thought on this like we talk about this breath of the wild moment and i think i think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what a breath of the wild moment for a series like actually should be like the reason breath yeah. of the wild was so revolutionary is because it took the concepts that we already understood about zelda and i think in in pretty much every possible way it could like like realize that like brought them into this mm. like new 
this new thing that we had not anticipated before, but it was still fundamentally Zelda. I I think there have been a lot of games since then that have chased Breath of the Wild by trying to look like or feel like Breath of the Wild, but for games that were never fundamentally like Breath of the Wild. And I actually think yeah. Pokemon is guilty of this too. Like when we make fun of the the big fields of grass and the gliding off cliffs, like like that was never necessarily what Pokemon that doesn't really have anything to do with what Pokemon was about. Right. And I don't I like I don't have the answer. I don't know what a Breath of the Wild for Pokemon moment for Pokemon would actually look like. Um I think Ooh, I have a theory. Well, I was just I was just gonna conclude by saying I think one series that has successfully done it is uh Dark Souls, like with Elden Ring and from software games. I think Elden oh, okay. Ring was yeah. the Breath of the Wild moment for that that so making an open games. world, in other words. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not necessarily. I'm, I think I'm being a tiny bit reductive. But... It can be. I mean, I think open world was a component for that series. I don't think it necessarily has to be. But I think Elden Ring understood the assignment. And that's not a Nintendo game. Sure. But I, I don't think it necessarily has to look no, that's like a good for example, a while. Yeah. Anyway, Seth. Well, I was going to say, for me personally, and I can't obviously speak for anyone else, but the, the one of the reasons that Breath of the Wild was so enormously appealing to me was that playing Breath of the Wild uh, felt like how I felt as a kid that I was imagining yeah. what the original Legend of Zelda was. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, and it, but it, you know, it was fully fleshed out. And I think that that's what Pokemon needs, a, a Breath of the Wild moment for Pokemon, it needs to f have that feeling in the modern era that you had when you were a little kid, or in my case, a 22-year-old man in the Air Force. Yeah. <laughs> I think Pokemon has gotten close by putting Pokemon out in the open world. Like that was sort of, a, a big step forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to know what what makes me feel like that, it's not from a game. It's that one scene in Detective Pikachu where he walks into the city and it pans like across the street, and you see all the Pokemon working and living alongside humans in like all these like very subtle little ways. Like they're crossing the street and they're in the cars and they're like doing little jobs and they're up like with the signs and everything. And it feels like a world where Pokemon and humans live together and just have like this joyful existence. And I think I think there's different little ways that the games have gotten close to capturing that. But I don't think we've quite gotten there yet in a way that is meaningful from a gameplay perspective. Yeah. It's also like we have a lot of these meaningful moments in a lot of their spinoff and side games. There yeah. are so many fantastic features. Like obviously, Legends Arceus is a lot of the conversation because I think some people yeah. conflate it with a little bit of a mainline when it's like, no, it's meant to be. It's Legend series, just like the mm -hmm. uh, Let's Go series, just like Mystery Dungeon, just like everything else. And there's there's really cool features there, and I think that's where I would hope they would look for inspirations. Like, look at the coolest things you guys did there. Look at Detective Pikachu, even. Like, I think the game itself, I had it was a very simple detective game, sure, simple puzzles, but just as you're saying, Rev, it showed like the best combination of just people and Pokemon living together and solving their issues. Like, ah, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know you hated these berries. <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, that's what's made you so fussy? Okay. And I just, it's very mundane, but I think that's what we're kind of looking for. Like this lived in world of Pokemon. That's not just, it, it almost sometimes feels like a set dressing, right? Of, I think that's specifically with Sword and Shield. It felt like these places were meant and like popped up for me to go into with my Pokemon. And then when I left, everyone just kind of took it down and maybe went home yeah. to their actual homes. So and, I, a few thoughts. First yeah. of all, um, I agree. Like I would love a, a Pokemon game that felt more lived in. And I think that the key is a sense of freedom and wanting to wander and discover things in these games. And maybe that's the thing. That's the thread that unites Elden Ring in Breath of the Wild more than just just being an open world game. And maybe yeah. Pokemon has that. And it's usually 
discovering the secrets in the world that will lead you to more Pokemon. But I think Pokemon is a series. Um, in some ways, we are selling short how innovative it's been over the years in being a social RPG. It's one of the first, uh, I would argue it's one of the first games as a service kind of experiences that we ever had. And it's always been very laser focused on its strengths, which is catching them all and having like a competitive, competitive battling experience. And it's been very good at delivering on those elements um, over the years. So uh, that that's one piece of that. And I, I personally like the competitive battling, so I, I'm kind of okay with it. That's good. Um, but I, I agree that there's a lot more that could be done, I think, to kind of flesh out the world and make you want to just enjoy it along um, with your Pokemon, uh, which are very marketable. Yeah. yeah. I guess some yeah, of this a, is... In... I guess some Go of ahead, this Rip. is me just trying to admit to myself that, like, I'm perpetually chasing the feeling of being in middle school and sitting at the cafeteria table after school with my friends, like waiting for whatever. And we all had copies of Ruby and Sapphire and we were having conversations and like someone had found Mirage Island and we didn't have like, I mean, I, the internet existed then, but like we all were not perpetually online. And so it was like, whoa, how did you get there? What is that? What can you do there? Wait, you caught a bag on? Where did you get that? How do you get those? Like, that's super rare. Oh my God, he's got one of those. You got a shiny? What's that? There's a Mew under the truck? What's that? Like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm like that, the, the mystery, like the discovering the secrets yeah. in the world that you're talking about. And I, I don't, I, I think a little, I think a lot of that is because, you know, we just have all this information readily available to us and know everything the second the game comes out. But I do, I do think Pokemon has actually strayed a little bit away from implementing that mystery. Now, yeah. every, everything that is supposedly rare and secret and beautiful in the world is guided. You are guided there by a story and it feels, it feels like there are fewer secrets. And I think I felt that when I was playing through Arceus, it felt, it didn't feel that there was anything to discover that I couldn't just trip over myself. Uh, yes. And going back to yeah. going back to Black Two and White Two is maybe the last Ooh. time yes. that we had a really fulfilling single player experience with stuff like the Pokemon World Tournament, which was battle focused. Agreed. But like I miss contests that we just don't get enough of that kind of stuff. It's usually yeah. you hit the post game, they're like, catch a legend, do the one uh post game story thread and fight through the battle tower, and then whatever, it's the rest of the social stuff. And I'm like, Look, I know that like your numbers weren't showing a high number of engagement with stuff like with the Battle Frontier and whatnot, but so many of those features that I found really delightful from like Gen 5, like Pokemon Hollywood, where my Pokemon became stars and they had the little star, uh, shiny star. Yeah. Bring back more of that. Make a more meaningful solo experience in addition to all of the community stuff. Right. And it's we're obviously asking for a lot here. Like I think we, we all recognize that. Like every time we're like, all right, well how many Pokemon are you gonna give us? How many regional variants are you gonna give us now? How big is this game? How competitively balanced is this? You know, like that that's so so much to consider. It's so much to work in. But I think ultimately what it sounds like from all of us is that we're really just looking for a place to explore and have fun with with our Pokemon and competitively. Yeah. And just have those extra features that aren't just fill out the Pokedex, which is good, but we've we've had more in the past and we're kind of looking for it in this expanded world that they're trying to sell us as well. Yeah, and trying yeah. trying to balance our inner selves between yeah. all of us being people who genuinely love Pokemon. Like I love Pokemon. I'm gonna have so much fun playing this game. It's gonna be a great mm -hmm. time. Uh and also, you know, being 
people who are like who play a lot of video games and who see what other video games can do, uh, especially when they're given more time to work on said games uh, and and being critical of the ways in which we have seen the series change over the years for better or for worse in different ways um and sort of balancing the in, inside me are two wolves inside me are two arcanines <laughs> constantly <laughs> fighting um yeah it's a lot of that yeah and i think everyone sort of touched on it a little bit but i think uh, in the case of almost any good open world game uh, i feel like there should always be something on the horizon that you want to find and if you get there and you don't find anything, the experience of getting there should also be satisfying. And I think even if that's all they do out of this, if there's no great story, if there's not any big mechanics, I think it'll succeed as an open world game as long as you feel the satisfaction of being in and moving around in that world. But that is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. We will almost certainly have lots more to talk about uh, as we get closer to the November 18th release date. But we have one more break that we need to take, and then we're going to talk about Nintendo's sales numbers. Oh, boy. Those are exciting. There's percentages. And <laughs> I'm going to make it stuff. exciting, Seth. Don't worry. I know. I'm excited. No, look, look, I love sales numbers, but we'll be right back. <laughs> now we are back. Nintendo had its sales report. And uh, yeah, things have slowed down a little bit for the old Nintendo Switch. However, Nintendo says that it's largely due to the chip shortage, which uh, I'm not sure if you've heard about that kind of a thing. It's actually why the Sega Genesis Mini 2 isn't getting a proper North American release. You can order it from Amazon Japan, but it's not being packaged and released in the United States. But yeah, uh, Nintendo expects they'll be fine by the holidays. I mean, look, they've got what, Bayonetta 3, um, Pokemon, a new Pokemon is coming out. There's already a, a great library of games. Um, yeah, they'll be they'll be fine. The Switch will do do okay. Um, but we also learned that Kirby and the Forgotten Land, second best selling Kirby game ever. Which congratulations to that well earned uh, game there. That was wonderful. Uh, Mario Kart still one of the top selling games uh, of the year for like all platforms. Like no one will ever stop buying Mario Kart. So just kiss those mario kart 9 dreams goodbye switch sports also has hit 5 million in sales kind of surprising good though um and then reb you have a, a, a something that you wanted to to bring to the panel yeah i was wondering so sales numbers are kind of like ethereal things it's hard to like conceptualize millions of copies i was wondering if any of you all wanted to play a little game uh yes. to sort of me compare nintendo switch sports to some of these other things actually first of all step one uh we said okay. don't look, nobody look anything up you can't look anything up that's the rule uh okay. we learned that kirby and the forgotten Lat land is the second best-selling kirby game does anyone know without looking what the first best-selling kirby game is oh i have no idea have i'm guess. gonna say give me your guesses uh epic yarn got one for epic yarn miranda and cat i have zero guesses for this one <laughs> name any kirby game <laughs> <laughs> what if I forget all the Kirby game names? Fair. What if I've never played a Kirby game? Oh, that's, that's a awesome. shame. You should play a Kirby game. You think yeah, I would okay. because I like yeah, cute game things, but I'm like, nah. I'm going to say, I want to say Kirby's Adventure, but that was very late in the NES's um, light release cycle. One of the most popular ones, but I'll, I'll go with Kirby's Dreamland, actually. It was Kirby Superstar Ultra at 2.36 oh. million copies. Uh, Seth, you were close. Kirby's Epic Yarn sold 1.59 million, so it was oh. in third place. Uh, but the actual game I wanted to play, uh, so 
the the exact number uh, Nintendo Switch Sports sold lifetime thus far, as far as we know, is four point eight four million units. So uh, yeah. that's actually a decent amount of copies for a Wii U game to sell in its entire lifetime, like not just in the first month. So I was wanting, wondering if you all wanted to look at some Wii U games with me, or you know, don't, oh, I'll do the looking. Yes. And tell please. me, do you think this Wii U game sold more copies in its entire lifetime or less copies than Nintendo Switch Sports just sold in its first Ooh. debut? Ooh. So oh more, more if you think the game that I name sold more copies and less if you think it sold less than 4.84 million. So I'll give you an easy one to start off with. And this is just the Wii U version. No other versions counted. Uh, Mario Kart 8. Oh, absolutely more. I think it's like, I think it's like one to one with the Wii U. I think it's like 13 million <laughs> copies of that. More. Yeah, I would say that probably sold more. I'm sorry. More, more than Nintendo Switch Sports? Lifetime, yes. Oh, yeah, it sold more on the Wii U. Yeah. Yes, it did. Obviously, I wanted to start with an easy one. Yes, it sold 8.46 million copies So on the Wii U alone. So quite a Great few more. Great attach rate there. Uh, okay, next up, what about Nintendo Land? Do you think it sold more or less copies than Nintendo Switch Sports? Less. Uh, I'm going to say more because that was a pack-in title. Was it a pack-in? I thought it was a standalone. I actually no, don't remember. No, it was remember. a pack-in. It was a pack in uh, the first uh, uh, first generation of Wii U's. Oh, I don't remember it being a pack in. I am almost certain was that it was not a pack in. I'm almost certain Nintendo Land is a pack in. Was a pack in with the the first. Wasn't uh, this iteration. a point of discussion with Reggie where they were like, "No, oh, we got to pack this game in. We're selling it as Googling a standalone it. game. Was That's crazy." Nintendo Land a pack in. I feel like we're learning okay. so much today. I know. Uh, Nintendo Land, Wikipedia.com. I mean, I owned it and I loved it. It was an amazing yeah. game. Very underrated. Very underrated. I wish they would bring it back, actually. Seriously, I, I need to play Puke and Run again. I loved it very much. <laughs> uh, I don't see anything in here about it being a pack-in. I, okay. I think it was a standalone. So anyway, more or less. Maybe it's uh, a special cool. deal for you, Seth. <laughs> Just for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, well, now I'm going to say it's, uh, it's less than... than 4.5 or 4.8. Yeah, it's less. Anyone else want to disagree with him? I'll say more. I said less. All right, Kat's right. It sold more than Switch Sports. Nintendo Land actually what? did all right. Well, all right. It sold it sold 5.2 million lifetime. So uh, Nintendo Very Switch close. Sports is going to surpass it pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, what about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze? Uh, no, that less. did not sell. That sold, yeah, that sold fewer. Way less. Correct. It's not even in the top 10 on Nintendo's website. Holy cow. Wow. God, I, I'd be surprised if that game even sold a million units. It's an amazing game. Don't get it, me wrong. With, but... with Switch counted in, it definitely has. But yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Super Mario Maker. Oh. Super uh, Mario Maker for the, for the Wii U, the original the Super Mario Maker, sold better than Super Mario Maker oh. 2. And I believe it sold like 2.2 million copies, but it was still less. It's going to be less than Switch Sports. I'm the optimist. You can say more. I, 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 think it, I think it was more because it was a little bit of a viral sensation on YouTube mm -hmm. for a hot second. So yeah, Super Mario Maker sold 4.02 million copies, <gasps> so less than Switch yes. Sports has already so sold. Close. Amazing. Quite there. Um, wow. Let's do two more. What about Super Smash Brothers for Wii U only? Ooh, ooh, more definitely, definitely more. more. Yeah, that, that was, was like the only. One reason that people bought a wii u basically 
And Mario uh, Kart. It did, yeah. it did sell more, but not by much. 5.38 million. So again, Switch Sports oh, is probably going to surpass it pretty soon. Uh, and final one, Splatoon. Oh, oh less. No, less. Yeah. yeah. Splatoon sold more, but not by wow. much. No kidding. Well, 4.95 million lifetime sales, according to Nintendo. So again, Switch Sports a, is about to surpass it. Splatoon, the, the single best thing to come out of the Wii U. I Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So the moral of this game is uh, Nintendo Switch Sports has already sold more than most of the best-selling games on the Wii U. It's not yeah. surprising. The Wii U was yeah. by far the worst-selling uh, mainline Nintendo console. It was close. So <laughs> Yeah. And I have a feeling that uh, they'll do a pack-in Switch Sports bundle for Black Friday, and then it'll just explode oh, yeah. in popularity. Oh, yeah. Great holiday game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bring the family. We'll have we were talking about this in our Nintendo Switch sports review from several weeks ago. Um, I think Para made that argument, and I completely agree with it. Yeah. Uh, was it 4.84 million Switch sports sold? That means 2. Point, what? 42 uh, million pairs of leg straps. So you can have both, <laughs> both your legs strapped in with a Joy-Con. There you go. Cat, I believe that you had a cat take for us this week on the topic of sales. What with Nintendo slowing down with Switch and everyone saying, jump to the conclusions. Obviously, this means we're going to get a new Switch. But you have uh, you have some thoughts about that subject. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, thought number one, I think that some of this is just kind of regressing to the mean in terms of, you know, pandemic. Because the pandemic, games really exploded during that time. It was completely wild how many Switches Nintendo was selling just because of Animal Crossing, for example. So saying, okay, it's down year over year, to me, doesn't mean quite as much. And I kind of believe Nintendo when they say that, you know, chip shortages and stuff um, kind of played a role as well. And the second point that I was thinking about, um, this was based on the conversation that we had last week when we had John Linneman on, and we were talking about the Switch, the, the, the tech of the Nintendo Switch. And I think there's a little bit of a meme, and I, I think I've leaned into this myself at times, which is that the Nintendo Switch is extremely outdated and it badly needs an upgrade and Nintendo can't keep going on like this. And I got to thinking like, okay, but what if Nintendo, which by the way, I believe we saw this morning, no new Nintendo hardware in full year. So we're not gonna see anything before like March, 2023. Mm. What if Nintendo Switch was just around for like another two years, as it is right now? What would that mean? And I would argue it wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing because the Nintendo Switch, um, its core strengths are indie games and Nintendo first-party games. And as Xenoblade Chronicles 3 has shown, a game that I've been playing a lot of, actually, games can look really good on that thing still and still run pretty well actually, as long as you know how to optimize the hardware. Monster Hunter Rise is another example. Yeah. And I don't think AAA ports have ever been a strength of the Nintendo Switch, honestly. So I think Nintendo Switch is in an amazing little position for itself, has a huge install base. And honestly, I, I would love a Switch Pro with a better processor. But all in all, I think this thing can keep cranking right along. So they never if they didn't release a Nintendo Switch upgrade within the next couple of years, I think we'd be okay. And I'm kind of curious what all of your thoughts are on that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, You're that's right. it. I, yeah. The only the I only thing I'd add is I think 
I think the thing that will outpace it faster than people complaining about not being able to port, like, I don't know, like, Spider-Man or, I mean, that's ex- exclusive, but you, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, like not being able to play Elden I, Ring. I, Everybody Elden wants Ring Elden Ring Switch. on Switch. Like, that's not going to kill the Switch. I think the thing that that will hurt it more is is developers starting to work more and more with new development technologies, third-party developers specifically, who want to make games for Switch. Like, it's not that they're making a game and just can't port it, but it's that they, they are already making games for Switch, but there are other technologies that are are better that are not necessary. I mean, I don't know how development works, but that are that are starting to outpace what the hardware can do um or in nintendo which loves to have you know ridiculous ideas nintendo internally wanting to do things that they can no longer do on the switch's hardware for whatever reason i think that is more likely to outpace it but those are those are enough years out that whatever the next switch iteration is going to be they will have access to that years before uh so i think i think that's the main thing that's going to push them forward is is the people who make the big things for them are going to ask hey we need we need more and i'm I'm sure they've already taken that into consideration yeah money-wise they're fine who cares? Please another Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. I have no intention of buying another Switch. I have two. I have my launch one. I have my Animal Crossing one. Uh, I don't want an OLED. I don't want anything else. I just... Randa, the really? OLED is so I don't need pretty. It. Uh, but I, I'm just going to go use my Steam Deck. Like, if I'm going to play a different thing, I'll just use that instead. Like, it's... I, my Switch is my home for Nintendo games and very select indie games that I think are the better yep. one. But now, with my because I do have a Steam Deck, that's kind of taking over some of that indie space too. So it's sort of hard where I, I look at the Switch as a very specific platform for Nintendo and they know how to develop for it. But if it's going to come to a AAA third party, there's never an instance where I'm like, I got to play on my Switch. And I know that's, of course, like a, again, a privileged thing that I do have multiple consoles, but... I think at the end of the day, Nintendo knows what it wants to play into, which is its its own games. And it's not necessarily trying to cater to Elden Ring. And I don't right. think, I, I agree with you, Kat, they don't necessarily need to make another Switch to try to justify that. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're more concerned about like, well, how can we use the, the Joy-Con to do another cool thing? Like, how can we make another Switch Sports? How can we play with our technology and have a fun time with that rather than trying to chase like the, the big AAA third-party stuff and instead they can work for us and try to figure out how they can work on our platform is i think a lot of their mentality yeah and we've really hit a technological plateau yeah compare 2012 to 2002 and think about the absurd difference between say the last of us which came out in 2012 versus say i believe splinter cell came in 2002 metroid prime like the difference is quite wild but if you compare 2012 to 2022, people are complaining and saying, look, do we really need a remake of The Last of Us? It was a pretty good looking game back in 2012, yeah. right? <laughs> so in many ways, we've hit a technological plateau where a game like Breath of the Wild still looks really good, you know, mm-hmm. that came out five years ago. So as long as you got the art style down and you're able to maintain a stable frame rate, I think you can do okay in this day and age. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And as far as the the Switch sticking around, uh, I my prediction is that the last game released for Nintendo Switch will be Just Dance 2029. So I don't, wow. think, yeah, I don't oh. think the Switch is going anywhere. <laughs> Seth, for, that's like I know I know you're making like a joke, but that's that's actually like a very reasonable prediction, and I kind of want to write it yes. down and bring it back in several years. Yeah, no, it's it's that. one of my jokey reasonable. You know, I, I sometimes seven years hide. later. Like yeah. actually really good. I'm typing myself a reminder into Slack. Remind me in 2029. Right. To tell Seth Mazie he was right. Hell yeah. We know it's not going to be FIFA on Switch. That's for sure. Uh, so. RIP. 
Yeah. All right. Um, question block time. This is a isn't even a question block. This is from Kelly Hoffert. Kelly asks, can you just give a shout out to my 11 year old son, Merrick? So, oh. hey, Merrick, what's up? I want to oh, give a hey, shout out. Merrick. Merrick listens to the show with Kelly. So, oh. what's up? Uh, cool parenting right there. Probably the best podcast that you could listen to with your child. So, shout it's out so to Merrick. Uh, want to know what, what game you're excited for? Hit us up in the Facebook comments. Travis Montgomery asks, have you played multiverses? And if so, what are your thoughts? Has anyone on the panel played multiverses? I sure have. Boy, yeah. is that game dystopian. Dystopian? <laughs> <laughs> Please elaborate. So, point. Uh, on the one hand, it's actually way better than I was expecting. When, I, when it was initially uh, shown, I was like, okay, there's no way this looks good. And in fact, I am so insulted by the very concept of multiverses. As a Smash Brothers person, like Smash Brothers Ultimate is in my top 10 favorite games of all time. And that game is a beautiful museum to video game history. So my first thought was, how dare you? How dare you just turn <laughs> Smash Brothers into freaking Space Jam, the fighting game? Uh. And I, I will give them full credit. Um, it's a fun game to play. It's enjoyable. Yep. It's better made than I ever expected. And there's, I, honestly, I think it's here to stay. Um, yeah. As long as they... I mean, we had some problems with like Superman. Superman had like was really OP with their grab combos. Uh, we had issues with, I believe, Taz being quite OP, certain characters being OP. And there's a big part of me that's like really rolling my eyes at the, the battle pass and having to buy like, I think it's like something like $250 to get all of the different costumes and everything. And I'm just like free to play, complete free to play nonsense. And I think there is a deeply cynical instinct behind this game that i really really hate i kind of hate seeing iron giant in here i kind of hate seeing yeah. Arya stark in here i'm just like come on guys it's capitalism yeah. the video game so <laughs> it really is the animation stuff they do with iron giant's really cute but it goes completely against his character just just a hundred percent well the Iron Giant would feel so betrayed if he had any. If we were, <laughs> if we were gonna, you know, keep this true to the character, then everyone would main Superman, and there would never be uh, anyone who could even come close because he's Superman. No, Superman's but, overrated. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yes, but, it's just a, a indestructible man from space. It's not a lot of depth there. Right, right. I think um, just to cat to your point about being worried about, hey, like they're trying to do the Smash thing. So Nintendo, if you guys or Nintendo, uh, Nickelodeon did this first. If you guys remember yeah. that they had their yeah. own smash thing come out and it was oh, atrocious it's it not as good as, yeah, yeah so, it was so done on a budget yeah it is it was like you know you guys did your best and we'll just put that aside um and so when this came when this was announced i was like oh man we're gonna get another one another like quick cash grab like it's gonna be yikes and you know i've been pretty surprised at the reception i have downloaded it I haven't want to suggest subject anyone to my my play with this because whenever I play Smash, I'm I'm the happy loser. I I just want to be there. I'm gonna mm. just pick Pikachu down beat like let's go <laughs> Thunderbolt all the time. I just like playing with my friends. I think it's just one of my favorite sort of party games that I know people take very seriously because there is a lot of skill, a lot of cool things involved. But I just want to have like a good goofy time. And as far as I see it, there's not really that opportunity quite here for me yet. Um. So like, even though you can do like co-op versus AI, there's some bits of that, but like, where are my Pokeballs? Where's, where's yeah. the weird stuff? So I think until that starts getting established, I won't jump in, but I, I do 
appreciate that this is actually building up to be a really cool game. Um, we actually do have just a little shout out. We do have a tier list in our guide. We do have a multiverses guide, and um, our writer was like kind of agonizing over like, oh, got it, got you know, doing a lot of research and figuring things out, and ultimately came down to it's like we don't have a typical S. S rank, A rank, B rank, C rank, because he's like, well, a lot of these are really viable. Like, there's just like a good balance here. So there's no one in the world put in like an F rank. And so he did like S, S minus, A, A minus. And I was like, dang, okay. <laughs> and which were kind of really a good sign, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, which is really cool to see. So I think that's what you'd like to see up front. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty impressive. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with that. I will say this if this were a $29 game, no one would it would be here and gone like nobody it would come out for a week and everyone would be talking about it. i think it being free to play is helping out helping it out enormously but my son who played this a lot and then also has been playing smash he says it's uh he says it's fun but it's kind of feels like a like a sloppy or hollower version of smash I mean, he's not yes. not a fan he doesn't know if he'll go back to play. it's kind of a meme game I mean, I yeah. think that <laughs> yeah. the reason everybody was paying attention to multiverses right from the start was because of that Shaggy meme, yep. right? Super <laughs> Saiyan Shaggy. And that's how so many games get popular now. If it becomes a meme game, just look at Stray, then that's, you've got a really good shot game. at actually being able to do it. And I think the meme stuff was kind of cynically calculated, honestly, with multiverses. Yep. Same with yep. so much, so much of this game. There's... Yeah, there's a part of me that goes, well, it kind of exceeds expectations. It's a lot more fun to play. I'm willing to give it a pass on that. But there's another part of me that's like, this is literally everything I hate in entertainment right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's another game uh, that's like a platform fighter that my kids really like. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's uh, like uh, something of Ether or Aether. I can't remember. It's another one that you should check out. I think it's on Game Pass, but that one is not cynical. That one is a wholly original property. And I wish I could remember the name of it. So watch out for the nbc uh twitter account all right caesar or cesar munoz asks are games too long nowadays in other words xenoblade chronicles 3 what's the actual marker for 100 to 200 hour games uh i mean some games are very long some games are not straight was what five hours uh, i see a lot of people talking about length and whenever they they announce that a game is going to be over 100 hours everyone's like ah i have more important things to do then do them no one's forcing you to play a hundred hour game unless, you know, like you're reviewing it and it's your literal, your job is on the line. But yeah, I, I mean, I think there is a market for a hundred to two hour, a uh, 200 hour games. If you really like a game like me, I put 150 hours into Metal Gear Solid five. I didn't even actually beat it. I was just having so much fun running around and S ranking <laughs> all the camps and everything that um, I was more than happy to put in that much time. I had, uh, before I stopped playing, I had 780 hours into PUBG. So yeah, wow. there's there's a lot of time. There's there's a, there's a market for these games. It's just if it's not you, then don't. Five hundred hours in Animal Crossing over here. I, wow. yeah, no, I think that you're you have the right of it, Seth. Actually, I think it's more about whether or not it respects your time. I only get really annoyed when they put a lot of filler into mm. a game, yeah. which is kind of a case with a lot of these games. Like I think Alien Isolation is a great example of that. Amazing game that. That I mean, honestly, could have ended 10, 10, 15 hours earlier. And, uh, you know, as a result, like it really got old after a while. But I think that was fully in response to people going, oh, $10, 10 hours. Uh, you know, obviously, it's not a $70 game. 
when you get into the $70 game discourse, that's when you start getting these games that are padded out beyond all yeah. reasons. So I, I'm much like, more like uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just content creep where it's like, wow, this is so empty and so annoying. I, I think yeah. my favorite kind of game is the one where the actual story is somewhat short and sweet and you really enjoy it. And you're like, wow, that was really sharp. I want to keep exploring this world. I yep. want to keep digging in. Right and there there's layers and layers to find that are optional. Yeah. yeah. I I will say I have minimal experience with Xenoblade, but my minimal experience was with the first Xenoblade. And I played about somewhere between in the 10 to 15 hour vicinity. And I stopped playing when after about 10 to 15 hours, I was still being fed combat tutorials. <laughs> and it just, I realized that I, like, I thought the world was cool. I thought there were like aspects of the plot that were cool. I really liked being on the big giant, whatever things that we were on, like the gods or the mechs or whatever, whatever it was we were standing on. I don't remember what the world was made of in that game, but I thought that was all really cool. And I would have liked to experience more of it. But when I got that, 15 hours in and was still being handed new like tutorial level information i i just realized i can't like i can't do this i don't have the time Ooh. i don't have the interest and i think i know i am not alone in this and i i don't have i mean i don't have stats on xenoblade because it's like a nintendo thing but uh, if you look at really long games if you look at really long games that have trophies especially story trophies that are just automatically given when you reach certain points in the story when you look at the statistics on those very 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 few games that are that long like 100 hours long have people that make it like five hours in even <laughs> honestly yeah. it's it's kind of wild the percentage of people that actually will play games beyond the first couple hours uh and i i think especially when you're looking at just extremely long development times to make that much content or when you're considering that you're alienating a massive portion of a fan base by making things that absurdly long because you think your game needs to be that long I think I think it's something that I think several studios in this industry should maybe reconsider is all I'm saying. I don't know if Xenoblade okay. is I don't know if the Xenoblade people are the right studio to reconsider that because it no. it is definitely a genre of game where people are showing up because they kind of want this ridiculously long story. Uh yes. but but maybe not. I mean, maybe maybe there are elements of I haven't played the third one. Obviously, I'm not going to. But I I don't know. Like I think I think it would be good to consider. Are are there elements of this that don't really need to be here? Wow. Uh, or or do we need to be sort of marketing this in a different way or explaining to people that oh yeah it's like a hundred two hours long if you want to do everything but you can get like a yeah. filling experience in forty because I know someone who finished the story story in about forty and they seemed happy oh. with it. Uh, they skipped like everything, but you know, they, they did get through it in 40. And so, yeah, like, I think, I think questioning what an actual fulfill, fulfilling experience would mean and how we're talking about games of that length is something that I wish, I wish some companies would consider a little more carefully. <laughs> Ubisoft Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. No, that transitions perfectly into what we've been playing because uh, I haven't said this on, on social media or at all, but I've been playing Xenoblade Chronicles three and I am 13 hours in and I'm actually really enjoying it and yes it keeps introducing new systems uh, no. like i just unlocked a new system yesterday but then it kind of clicked i was like this is actually appealing to me because instead of like what's the next massive weapon that i'm gonna get or what's the next town that i'm gonna unlock it's like what's the next system uh. that i'm gonna find and i'm actually enjoying xenoblade chronicles 3 so people who uh, are always mad because i don't enjoy it enough i'm sorry for that uh, that i am not it's not my favorite game ever but i am really enjoying it and when i'm not playing it i'm actually thinking about playing it so uh i did not start live alive because i was sick 
and I wow. didn't want to associate being sick with playing Live Alive. Like I didn't right. want to play it after that and have that in my head. So I haven't played that yet. But yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, that's what I've been playing and I'm having a good time. So uh, I'm sorry to everyone who was mad at me for not having a good enough time with Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Definitive Edition. But Kat, you've also been playing Xenoblade Chronicles. I have, yes. Um, I'm, I'm not as far as you, but I've gotten to the point where now I have the full team of like eight people uh, running around at the same time. And my first thought was, okay, but how do I set my party? And then I was like, oh no, they're just all with me fighting all oh, the yeah. time. That's kind of rad. Yeah. actually yeah and I, I like the characters they're yeah. they're they're fun and goofy they fit together in that kind of cool anime way did you hear that noah lance wants something a bit meatier <laughs> i enjoyed the <laughs> i enjoyed the writing uh, um and i i think that the actual world is kind of uh maybe nonsense i i'm like <laughs> i don't know what's going on here and yes, frankly, i don't really care <laughs> i'm just i'm just running around yeah, I'm running around in the fields and I'm fighting, you know, animals and occasionally robots. And that, that's a good time. It's, it looks very good on Nintendo yes. Switch. There have been multiple times where I've been like, holy cow, on my Nintendo Switch OLED, this game looks amazing. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of grabbed, even though I'm not invested at all in the world or frankly, the story, um, I am invested enough in the party and mm. the, the systems and the exploration that I want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I've been feeling uh, when you get to like the next cutscene, I'm like, oh, these are like little episodes of some weird anime that appeals to me, but not maybe not everybody else. And it's just like nonsense stories and, and weird looking characters. And there's like a secret council of like purple robot people. And yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm into yeah, the, the, the villains in this game, you know, when they're engaging with the party and they're villainous banter <laughs> yeah <laughs> seriously it's it's Brenda, what have you been playing lately uh not xenoblade though i've never played one and i kind of just want to start with three i might just i think you can should. Yeah. So, yeah. but i have to time block that because the problem is i play too many video games at all times and a lot of them want a lot of my attention um so i'm actually starting live alive here soon just because no Rev, nice you, you really sold me on it and i know like pair was like ready you you have to play this so good okay yeah i'll play i'll play i'll do it <laughs> all right um yeah i'm really excited to start that um i started recently wolfenstein 2 the new colossus which i was really surprised to hear that is on switch um that game is quite brutal and i love it i i love wolfenstein so much i've been playing through the whole series so i'm i'm blown away i was like excuse me who are you people and i love you <laughs> um so I've been playing that. And then another one, of course, is Genshin Impact, which is this huge time sink. And I know I'll be in trouble once it's eventually on Nintendo Switch, because then I'll have it on like five mm. devices instead of just four, which I have it on my PC. I have it on my PS5. I have it on my phone and I have it on my iPad. And I want to get it on my Switch so that I can play Damn. it better anywhere. But, <laughs> yeah, that one is the big time sink. So I have to kind of book everything around. All right, but what event is happening in Genshin? And how much time left do I have to complete it? So, yeah. Well. Wow. That sounds like a packed uh, week. Reb, what have you been playing as of late? Uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about playing Baron Breakfast uh, on the show. Mm -hmm. I think that was, that was one or two weeks ago. Time has no meaning. Uh, and I'm still playing that. But uh, the other thing that I'm playing kind of with like with my partner like we're sort of taking turns playing it and watching each other uh is omori i which... want to play so bad i kickstarted this game in college 
Oh man. Wow. Um, Omori. I had Omori recommended to me because I love Undertale and I love games like that. This sort of like weird, uh, kind of like unusual earthboundy meta RPG kind of thing. Um, I don't know that that recommendation was on for me specifically. I don't I, like Omori. It has like some of the same. It's clear. It's clearly inspired by Earthbound in some ways, the same way that Undertale was, but it takes it in such a different direction. Uh, it's it's a turn-based RPG that opens in this place called White Space, where everything seems just a little bit too perfect. Uh, it's this this kid named Omori and his group of friends. Uh, they're all you know playing in the park together, playing games, going to see their friend Basil's garden. Um, all these like very sweet colorful things uh it is massive content warning on this game it is really dark and i when it was recommended to me as being like kind of an undertale like like undertale can get very dark uh this right out of the gate like like just 20 million content warnings on this thing it is it is real a really grim game like truly yeah. uh if if you know the artist at all too omo cat like it's it's not it's like pretty but also rather gruesome stuff as well and like really really is yeah, it doesn't uh, hold back yeah some, some kind of like horror elements as well yeah. going along oh, with wow, that interesting um i th i'm not super far i'm like a couple hours in i i love the art style i think the art style is incredible i think i think the idea of the battle system where uh it's like it's like a turn-based battle system they have like items and toys that they can use um, but then they also are impacted by emotions uh so if you know you can be neutral or if you're angry i think like you're something like your attack is up when you're angry but you're worse at dodging or some some combination of that and so you can inflict emotions on your friends or your enemies to sort of like manipulate the battle in the way that you want to and i think that's very cool um i it I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Like I, th I think I like okay. it. I think I'm going okay. to like it. I think I, I, given the way everyone has praised it, I feel like it's probably going to use these devices and this darkness to tell a meaningful story. Uh, but wow, was it jarring? Like I, I truly wasn't expecting it to just immediately, like within the first couple minutes, just be deeply unsettling. And oh God, what's going on here? What's happening? Uh, so oh. yeah, like I think. I think if you like Earthbound style and you like RPGs and you want something that is, and, and you're like emotionally prepared to sort of deal with a difficult, some difficult topics, but also want something that is like emotionally impactful and artful and thoughtfully done. Like I, th I think Omori is probably going to end up being pretty good. I mean, I haven't okay. finished it. It might not stick the landing, but uh, clearly a lot well, of people like it and yeah. When you finish it, you have to say that yeah, you were still thinking about it long after the credits rolled. That's a requirement. <laughs> is that the correct? Is that the correct line? That's, that's the correct line that you have to say. Oh, I'm still thinking. But fortunately, with that, we're all out of time. I'm very sad to say. But uh, please follow us on Twitter at NBC Podcast. Submit your question block questions on the Facebook group. I want to say thank you to uh, Red on the ones and twos, Miranda and Reb. I want to say thank you for joining us for this Poketacular uh, episode of NBC and for suffering my uh, stupidity today as I am unable to formulate sentences Not properly. That. Mostly though, I want to say thanks to you, the listener, for hanging out with us. Uh, and remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the, get the thing. thing. Get the thing. What does feminism mean to you? 
During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.